Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Hey. And on today's episode, we talk about the East Trail 117 trilogy. If you don't know what that is. I'm I You have not been looking hard enough, folks. Okay, I I have some issues though. Okay. Cause I feel like and we can't talk about these yet, but like maybe we're just gonna put point them out and then we'll put a pin in them for later. I feel like the title of this trilogy is spoilery. So like I kinda really hope that you have watched Glass by the time you listen to this episode. No, I mean, it's just the train and Unbreakable. That's it. Great. <laughs> so, that's it. Th- but th- but that's legit the name of the trilogy that stupid M. Night Shyamalan and whatever, whoever else has said this is the trilogy. I don't know if M. Night said it. I've just seen it out there in the world. Who knows? M. Night might not be on board with it. He might be like, no, I want to call it the 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 Broken Glass Trilogy. Mah, mah, mah. The thesaurus of words that mean shattered. Mah, mah. That's my spot on the M. Night impersonation, by the way. Are you, uh, are you awake enough for this nonsense this morning? Yeah, Josh, okay. I'm not someone that gets tired in the morning. I get over that. I'm just, I wake <laughs> okay. up and I'm ready to go. Okay. I don't go like, I'm tired, I can't do this. No, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm engaged. Um, just... I just want to say something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. As a human. As a human. I don't have an issue with M. Night Shyamalan. Okay, great. Fine. I am probably agreeing with you. Okay. Seems a little film bro-y, but not like in a bad way. Just like in a he really loves Fight Club kind of way. Listen. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when I hear him do interviews and things, he just seems like a pretty okay, nice guy. I mean... But it's films. Yeah. Also, go have some fun listening to Lady in the Water interviews. <laughs> okay, well, 2006 was a dark time for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't think a knight is a bad person by any means. A little arrogant, a little cocky at times, but like... Because when we... Who's not? Like, when we go and we talk about directors and we call them like bad... Like, or, like, bad humans or whatever. It's usually because they've done something bad. And I just want us to say that our critique is not of Sha- M. Night Shyamalan as a Yeah. Person. No, he's not a trash human. He's just a bad director. <laughs> like, there's a difference. I also, I, I just... I just don't want him to write <laughs> anymore. It's just, there's just some lines of dialogue and I'm like... That's not how humans talk. And, like, you know, Josh, you know how you felt after Ready Player Fun? <laughs> sure, yeah. And uh-huh. how you just, like, hated yourself. Uh-huh. And how you hate making references to things. And how, like, you're just like, am I the problem? <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, now, here I am. Oh, okay. Welcome to your own existential crisis. Host glass. <laughs> I'm just like, I guess I hate comic books. And I hate... <laughs> No, you know who? No, no, no. You know who hates comic books? M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan. Like that's clear at this point. Um. All right. Well, before we jump into the 
East, East Trail, Trail 117, 117 Trilogy. It's 177. 177? Yeah, Josh, before... So sorry. Two days ago, with a gun to my head, I could not tell you the name of that train, but now it's seared into my mind. Yeah, before you were like, mm, maybe it's West Rail 177? No, before I was like, he's on a train. <laughs> and then the train crashes, and that's all I remembered of the train from Unbreakable. Can we talk about what we're doing this this episode? Sure, why not? We're off to a hot start. We're going to talk about the whole trilogy. Yep. We never discussed how we're going to do this. <laughs> nope. We're just going to do it. So my thought was, once we get all past the nonsense, what if we just go, we spend a little bit of time on each film, and okay. then we can talk about the overarching Great. story. Great. Okay? So it's kind of like a train car. I'm going to let you all... So wait, wait, what you're saying is we're going to talk about the engine that's going nice and strong and then the kind of food car that's a little wacky but there is at least some substance there and then finally the train wreck? Yeah, okay, whoa, great. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh, Josh. Sorry, what? What Don't happened? Um, I answered your question on Letterboxd. Uh, 16 days. I also have... Uh, I mean, listen, I could just go see replicas and that could be the same again. I've already told you. I know. I mean, right. you might put replicas above. <laughs> I might. Who knows? You might be like, ooh, this Keanu. Keanu. I've already told you what happens. Really, really makes you think that yeah, film absolutely. really makes you think. Where is your 2018 list? Is it secret right now? Yeah. Why? I don't want you to know. <laughs> what are you hiding from me? <laughs> Because I went, I was like, because I've been like going back and forth to be like, am I still ahead in movies? I only had like a five movie cushion at one point. Well, I haven't added films in like two weeks. I know, so. that's the thing that worries me. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's hidden or not hidden if I don't add the movies that I've seen. No, but at least if it's not hidden, I can be like, okay, like still have the cushion. We're still. <laughs> it's like when my, like. Like, when students, like, their teacher don't put in grades for, like, a month. Yeah. And I just think, like, oh, you're doing such a good job. And then, like, one week comes where 30 assignments get put in. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> you're like, twist. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> there was a lot of people there for Dragon Ball last night. Like, the lines were still long. Right. And it was still a lot. Okay, Glass was very full. Okay. Like, Glass was very full. But My there glass... was still also lots of people there. My for... Glass was not very full. Yeah. There was probably between 20 and 30 people there. Um, and yet still I got stuck with people sitting right behind me and talking. To the point where I turned around and I said, can you please stop talking? And then they stopped talking. They were all teenagers and uh -huh. I think they were afraid that an adult talked to them. Oh, good job. Yeah. Uh, we were we were going in there and we are like, let's sit in the Kylie row. And the Kylie row was already taken. Oh my gosh, mine was too. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it was with the one with like the double, the second yeah. bar. And yeah, I was absolutely. like... I was like, whoa, um, am I a criminal? I never checked in. <laughs> I mean, there was a poster of you up at AMC. It's like, have you seen this woman? Chris was very upset. He was like, you guys. She used to be my father. She's on the run, okay? Don't, don't associate with her anymore. It was so full. Like, the line to buy tickets was, like, wrapping through. And then, like, the line for concessions where you can also buy tickets was, like, wrapping around the whole inner. And I was like, nope. I felt so bad for nicely manicured guy with glasses mm -hmm. last night. Because, so we're in line. And we're like, we're going to skip the ticket line. We're just going to do the concession line and do our tickets there. Because we also want a concessions. One line. 
And, like, we get there, and there's this lady and this guy. And the lady's nice enough. Like, she has a conversation with Anne while, while, while I'm not in the line real fast. And then she gets up there, and, like... She's up there, and at first they they want popcorn, and guys like, do you want the bucket, the the year long bucket? And they're like, tell me about the bucket. So he tells her about the bucket, and then they're like, no, the bucket's too expensive. We just want the popping corn. And then she's all like, he gets the popcorn. And the guy's like, oh, we actually have last year's bucket in our car. Can we still use that? And the guy's like, rolls eyes, fine, dumps popcorn out, and then. She's like, no, I don't want to go out to the pop. I don't want to go out to the car. I'll just get this popcorn bag. It's fine. And so he's like, puts popcorn back in bag. And then while he's doing something else for them, it's like something. The husband's like, mm, I think we have a subscription to this place, and tries to give a phone number. And then like while they're trying to do that, lady grabs a kernel of popcorn, eats it, and it's stale to her taste. And she's like, mm, I don't know if I want this. And the husband's like, well, tell him you don't want it. And she's like, I don't want to be rude, but tell him you don't want it. And then so, like, then they find, like, we don't want this popcorn. It's stale. Do you have fresh popcorn? And they just, they, literally, they just put in, like, two fresh things of popcorn. So, like, this is fresh popcorn. It's fr and he's like, well, because they were popping more popcorn behind. And so he's like, well, if you don't like this popcorn, you're not going to like that popcorn. Like, it's all the same. Like, and they're like, fine, don't give me the popcorn. I just felt bad for him. I need to figure out their names. They need to wear name tags. Yeah. Their name tags also need to not have a fact about them. Because then I read the fact and not their name. Because <laughs> they'll be like, favorite movie. And I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, your favorite movie is The Dark Knight Rises? Not The Dark Knight? Not The Dark Knight? That's a mistake, right? You just wrote the extra word there on accident? <laughs> He's like, no, Bane really speaks to me. <laughs> And as as far as it goes, I don't know who I want speaking to them more, the Joker or Bane. Two-Face. I mean, Two-Face. I would have been just normal concerned if it was the Dark Knight. I'm extra concerned that it's the Dark Knight. <laughs> I want to be like, I want to be the guy that's like, you know, that's my favorite movie. Clue. Batman Begins. I love Nobody's favorite movie is Batman Begins. That's the point. I want to meet that guy. Is it Kylie? Is it you? Is, is your there favorite? was a time where Batman Begins was my favorite of that trilogy. That's a fair point. And then it was recently that the other one I thought was better. I appreciate them both. Yeah. I think to get us back on track, you were trying to answer why we're doing this episode. Or how we're doing this episode? Uh-huh. I don't know how you're going to jump us back in. I got this. Because some of that conversation could totally be in there. Yeah. Huh. About how... Be nice to people. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna. So, Josh, you have to do your thing. And before I can continue, you have to ask the inquiry of the half fortnight. Uh, Are the, you gonna ask it three the, the times? The what? The what? Sorry, Alan. The quarter fortnight. No, no the, the what? You you named it. You named it the other week. I don't remember. The inquiry of the half squared fortnight? Yeah, the one fourth fortnight. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I just I just simplified the expression. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I was fine with half-half, but you were like, no. <laughs> well, half of a half is still a fourth. We can't relitigate this every single time. We Josh, <laughs> when I say the one-fourth fortnight, you gotta... You, gotta you told me it. that half-squared was fine. Yeah. So was one-fourth. You have to accept that one-fourth is fine. But I don't want to say... You're the one who's hung up. I'll say one-fourth. You say you're nonsense. <sighs> Kylie. You say tomato, I say tomato, 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 tomato. Who says tomato? No one, Josh. That's why the song is tomato, 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 tomato. Or potato. Yeah, what's up? British people. Okay, fair enough. Great, yeah. 
Cockney Kylie, do you have any anything to say about this? I don't live in Liverpool anymore. Oh, okay. you, you moved back? <laughs> yeah. Kylie, you might say that M. Night Shyamalan, as a director, is someone who is... Let's say... De- 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 My brain died. What's the word that I want? Divisive? Meaning, like, he's got lots of people with different opinions. Divisive. Yeah, sure. Kylie, you might say M. Night Shyamalan is a divisive director. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 that there's a lot of people out there that are that are not on his side. And there mm-hmm. are other people that are like, yeah, M. Night forever. But, as I think you, being the bigger M. Night Shyamalan fan than I... Just because I've seen them all? I mean, just using numbers, okay? Because I've... Like, two of them? You like two of them? Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one and a half. No worries. What's the one you half like? Well, okay, I kind of... I, 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 I half like The Sixth Sense. Uh-huh. Because I think it's a good movie, even if it doesn't have rewatchable value. I think it does. I know you do. I, just, I know everyone I, does. I just... I feel like... I feel like that twist wasn't there. It's, this movie still works. I'll say that's why I like that twist. Ah. The whole movie can still happen. Uh, that twist just happens. If that twist is cut, we still got ourselves a movie, right? So, <laughs> hey, sorry. where do you jump off board for M. Night? Where is his, where does he jump the shark for you? The village. The village. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the village. Okay, why? <sighs> <laughs> Because when he was making The Village, he asked Sci-Fi to make a documentary about him. Okay, well, you know. <laughs> about how he might be magical. <laughs> I'm night, buddy. Oh, man. Don't let success go to your head as a youth, children, okay? Don't do it. I know he wasn't a complete youth. He was in his mid to late twenties, maybe later, but like goodness, he let everything go to his head. It's so god not good. It's called the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan. The what? The buried the secret. Buried. Uh, the buried. <laughs> Potato. Um. Secret of M Night Shyamalan. Great. <laughs> And it's about how he's magic? Yeah, he can see ghosts because he once fell into, like, a lake and, like, almost drowned. <laughs> I'm not off board with him yet. That's fine. <laughs> you can be bonkers. I, uh... <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> That's the plot of Unbreakable. Oh, Mixed he... with the sixth sense. Yeah. Dude's uh, crazy. <laughs> and then the house that it I'll take that he grew up in is the house from the from Signs. Is he saying that? Yes. And I'm gonna say something. Wait. I'm gonna say something. I said I liked two films. Like I like Signs. I also understand that Mel Gibson's in it, <laughs> which I don't like. But you've got Joaquin <laughs> and a Culkin. And I have Abigail. Yeah. But, like, hot button topic. Ooh, that button is hot. I like the visit. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, so, for me, I, I've always said that The Village is the first, like, bad 
film of his. Like, I don't like that film. Though, shot by Roger Deakins, I actually think is shot really well. Like, I enjoy some of the technical aspects of that movie. I like the music. The Gravel Road is one of my favorite songs of a score. I can't ever say that I've seen The Lady in the Water because I had self-respect for myself. So I was like, mm, not doing that. But... I did. How do you, and then like Josh, Yeah. how do you explain the scrunt population and... The what? The scrunt. I don't know what a scrunt is. Well, Josh, in the blue world, there are these. Is this the lady in the water? It is. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I will say I've sat through the last airbender. And that might be where I just completely turned off. Just to be, which I also think is after the happening, which I've never sat through all of. I've seen parts of that movie. What? The trees are killing people? <laughs> Which is a terrible movie. But at, at Airbender, awful movie, just literally one of the worst things that's existed, it kind of solidified for me that I was like, ooh, these two previous failures are not outliers, but they are what this director has become. And they are a pattern at this point. And so for me, my spot where I jumped off M. Night Shyamalan was The Last Airbender. Well, I went to all of them. But I went to After Earth by mistake. I didn't know that was an M. Night Shyamalan I film. I did see After Earth uh, before I knew it was an M. Night Shyamalan film. But let's all film. talk about no. why we weren't sure. Because <laughs> they didn't advertise it. It was not anywhere. And then, like, when his name comes up, that was the greatest twist of them all. <laughs> okay. All right, friends, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half-squared for, half Fortnite, you can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review and hit that subscribe button. Big Ben got quiet over there. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at friend of a friend podcast. I'm pretty sure it's recording right now. And now on with the show. You're pretty sure it's not recording right now? I'm pretty sure it's... No, I'm pretty sure Big Bangs are recording. Like, the bell doesn't actually chime. It's a recording of bells chiming. Well, then turn the volume up, Kylie. I... <laughs> You're the one telling me it's a recording over there. It's all with your, with your nonsense. Be gone. Be gone? Yeah, that's a very tall person. Okay, I'm going to do the podcast by yourself today. Okay. You're just going to read your book? That's ridiculous. You're supposed to do a podcast by yourself. You've, you've, you've told me to leave. And yet you're still here. I'm gone. I, this is my metaphysical voice in your head. Josh. Just do your shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alright. Josh, you can come back. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm back. Alright, Josh. Whenever you want to go. So, Unbreakable. Uh, film comes out in like 2000-ish. It's his follow-up to The Sixth Sense. Uh-huh. His mm -hmm. fourth film. Yep. Good, good times. Good times, great oldies. Yeah. Why yeah. do you like it? Uh, I don't know. I do. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Good times. Especially now, like when we're like drowning in superhero films, it's kind of interesting to go back and look at a film that's made when like comic book movies are kind of a thing but they're not that as popular well especially go on sorry i feel like i interrupted you because we've we've already gone through superman we've gone through the batmans a spider-man may have come out but then not we, yet it's uh, just yeah. x-men okay so an x-men yeah so we bring in 
Unbreakable. And he's like, you know, what if I do a superhero film that's like quiet and like shh and it's like emotional and it's about, you know, a man recognizing his potential but not in like an outlandish like way. It's I've always kind of had a weird issue of characterizing Unbreakable as a superhero film. It is, like totally fair, like because of I don't know, reasons. But so she touches it, people and knows the bad yes, things that they've done. He has superpowers, <laughs> and he is becoming a vigilante <laughs> hero. Yes, in the world where where we can define Batman as a superhero, this is a superhero as well. That's fine. I don't. It's so interesting to look at when Unbreakable comes out because in in that way of he almost has to hide a superhero film in an adult thriller or adult contemporary drama, you know? And that, I think, is what makes some of the elements of it feel, quote-unquote, twisty. I don't think this film has a twist. I actually think it builds up to a very logical reveal. And so, to me, what he does really well is he looks at the superhero genre that's not even as film. He's looking at it in comics, and he's take he's wanting to deconstruct the elements of it and place it on screen in a way that makes you the audience look at what comics are and what they have become to the culture now some of the issues that I have with it are I don't think M. Night Shyamalan... And this is kind of doubled down when we get to Glass, but I don't actually think M. Night Shyamalan likes comics. I don't think that he respects the genre. I don't think that he appreciates what they do for culture in any way, shape, or form. I think he kind of feels in ways that they're a dredge or a dirge or whatever. They suck in terms of societal content. I don't think that he sees them as a valuable art form. And in 1990, or sorry, in 2000, that's kind of a more popular opinion. And you can kind of look at it and look at the Samuel Jackson character in Unbreakable. And he's very much, um, he's very much put aside for his opinions about comic books. He's very much looked down upon because he values what they bring to culture. He values their art. You have that one scene in Unbreakable where the guy is trying to come in and buy that like first edition print of, I can't remember what it is, but like first edition print of a comic. And he's like, how much is it? And he's like, and he's like $500. He's like, I'll take it. And he's like, yeah, my kid's going to love it. And then Mr. Glass is like, I'm not selling that to you. Like this isn't for a kid. This is art. And so you, you've got his commentary there as well. I also think it's interesting that in Unbreakable, he compares it to, he's still using like football, like this masculine uh, pillar of the thing that like David Dunn was a football player, works at a football stadium, is this ideal masculine person um, to, to kind of represent who his hero is. I'm not sure if M. Night has any real unique takes in Unbreakable. Uh, they were unique at the time, and so, like, good for him. But this, I think, is the reason why Glass doesn't work in many ways, because he's still saying the same things 19 years later. And I still think that Unbreakable feels, un <clears throat> feels unique just because of the... I don't want to call it a dredge, because I like most of these films. I go see them. But the dredge of superhero films that have come out, it feels very different from them. Yeah. It feels... It... 
the story has the story itself just in a plot way is very similar to other superhero yes, it's stories, an origin but yeah. it feels a lot different because it's slower paced and which i like yeah and so like it still feels it still feels refreshing in our current comic book culture i agree with that comic it, book film culture. it's uh, unbreakable is almost more interesting to watch i think now in comparison to the wider comic book culture than it was back then because Watching it in 2000, like, comics themselves were were still kind of an underground thing. Like, there was the, there was people who were reading them, and there was people who were enjoying them, and there was people who were on board with it. And obviously you saw the Batman franchise being very successful, the X-Men franchise getting off to a really nice start at this point. And so M. Night is on a track of, like, he's seeing this underground culture rise. And so that's, I think, why it comes at a really good spot. I would almost be willing to say, though, to watch this film in, pro- in, in, in the context it's intended for, it'd almost be better to look at it towards comics themselves rather than comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Because the movie genre, I, I don't think, has been defined as what we know it now yet in 2000. Though, yes. I agree with you that this is a nice, fresh era. I mean... This is M. Night Shyamalan. For me, this is the one film of his that I have, like, I will defend this movie as, like, a legit, like, just great movie. I really like Unbreakable. I think that the performances are very strong. I think that he has something interesting to say, though his takes might be shallow in the sense of I don't think he understands comic culture, uh, but I still think he has some interesting things to say. That all being said, he's a f- master filmmaker at this point. Like you can just see that he's he's taking his time to tell the story. He's also using like in this weird way of okay, so something that he does very poorly in Glass that he does better in Unbreakable is is a is use of color, and it's a lot more subtle because he in 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 Unbreakable. There's this motif anytime that you see uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Elijah, Mr. Glass on screen. And there's almost always purple on him, near him, around him. It's kind of his color. And and, and Samuel L. Jackson and M. Night Shyamalan worked together to create this thing because they both were... I mocked this earlier in the episode, so like... But this actually works really well here because... They come together to use this purple motif to present him as this royal kind of regal character, which he wants to present himself as. In Unbreakable, it works because it's subtle. It's not over the top. In Glass, it doesn't work because it's everywhere and it's always and it's so blatant that you're, there's no subtlety to what's happening here. There's also this beautiful thing where whenever possible, like, so there's actually, there's not that many cuts in the film of Unbreakable. And whenever possible, and Matt Shyamalan has said it out loud and he said there that he, um, whenever David Dunn was in a scene, he tried to leave it as long of a take as he could every single time to represent cinematically that he was unbreakable, that that's his character trait, is that his scene, and then the Glass characters has more cuts around his scene. And it's something that, like, you don't necessarily notice. He's not being obvious about what he's doing. He's building that in to the pace of the movie. He's building that into the editing style of the movie. He's building this cinematic world, this visual language that you can live in 
All right, so that's Unbreakable. Well, okay, is there anything else that you want to say? Because, like, you own this movie, like... Yeah, I'm surprised that you don't. <sighs> yeah. You were with me when I bought it. Oh, man, maybe I should have bought this movie. Yep. No, it's okay. I'll buy the trilogy when it comes out now. No, you won't. Yeah, I might. I'll claim Unbreakable. She can have the other two. Uh... Okay, fine. I'll half claim Split. Uh... Just McAvoy's performance. Yep. I don't want Taylor Joy. I like her in that movie, too. Not Haley Lou Richardson? She's fine. She's also good. I enjoy that. Fine, I'll claim Split. It's fine. Uh... You don't have to. I'm not trying to pressure you into claiming Split. The only other... I guess the only other scene that I want to talk about in Unbreakable. Because I think that... It, good movie. Go watch Unbreakable. I really like the scene in the house where... So it, the movie deals with this idea and this concept of... Are superheroes real? Can an actual person be a superhero? And this identity of finding yourself within you know your journey of who you are to truly find out who you are and i love the scene where they're in it's robin wright oh robin wright star of this movie like i love robin wright in this movie um but so it's robin wright who plays bruce's wife and then their son and their son ends up pulling a gun on Bruce Willis and like he's like I'm gonna shoot you just to prove that you're unbreakable and you're like oh my gosh Joseph don't do it it I I just I love the way that he has to like talk his son off the ledge of shooting him while also allowing his son to continue to believe in him and and I just I don't know it's just it's a really good scene I think that they're the characters all of the characters in that film are very complex. They have layers. I like Unbreakable. It's a good movie. Yeah, there we go. Spencer Treat Clark. Spencer Treat Clark. <laughs> Comes back. When he pops up, I was like, hey! It's like, all you! <laughs> You're back! I thought your career ended after Mystic River. No, came back. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask a dumb question. Go for it. Is the lady playing... Mr. Glass's mom, the same lady? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's like five years younger than Samuel yeah, L. Jackson. Yeah, no, I know she's younger than Samuel L. Jackson, but like that was because I was like, because so that's what I was looking at. I was like, she looks younger than Samuel L. Jackson, but I'm pretty sure it's the same lady. Yeah. Okay, great. She always was, but that's because in Unbreakable, most of her scenes, scenes are, are with, with. She's a he's a kid. Yeah. And so it's okay. Yeah. And then they just age her up for like the final scene, and then like it's fine. Yeah. But in this one, they can't. Samuel L. Jackson is 70. Yeah. D- good job, dude. Yeah. Good job, dude. Does just, Samuel L. Jackson like comic books? Just get it. I think so. Okay. Although I saw a weird AV Club headline where... I'm going to say something. Samuel L. Jackson, I believe, is a nerd. Here's yes. The... <laughs> yes. If it pleases the court, I'm going to lay out my evidence. Oh, okay. All right. Phantom Menace uh-huh. trilogy. <laughs> Great. Yeah. He was like, I want to be in the Star Wars. And let me tell you something. Star Wars was a popular thing, I get it. Uh-huh. But, for a while, there was like, nerds do Star Wars, but he wanted to be in it. Okay. So, first point of evidence. Two, he's like, I'm Nick Fury now. <laughs> and so he made, co- he like, bought the rights to the character, and now it's him. Okay. D- d- Step uh, okay, three. Okay, I got a pen for your second one. What's up? Uh, 
So technically how that story goes, at least from what I have heard, is that they just started drawing the character like Samuel L. Jackson. He then saw it and went like, oh yes. That, so like, that wasn't him like, make me Nick Fury. I think They I, did that I think he, and then he bought it. I think he uh, made them do it. Oh, okay. And then he was just like, oh, we gotta come up with a story for the ah, press. Inception. Oh, um, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Three. Three, yeah. It's in all these Marvel films. Yeah. And I think he wants to be in all of them. And I think he loves it. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> and I... Th- four. Okay. His hat. <laughs> what hat? The one he's always wearing, Josh. <laughs> Have you ever seen, like, a credit card commercial? That oh, know? okay. He's yes. always got a hat on. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Okay, can the I... The prosecution rests. Can I counter this? You know what else Samuel L. Jackson might like? What? Money. <laughs> Josh, who makes all the money? The nerds. Samuel L. Jackson. The nerds! <laughs> How in the world is Samuel L. Jackson not the highest paid actor every year? I mean, I understand how, but it's dumb. Well, it was last year. Uh, it was... Two years ago was The Rock. I think last year was RDJ again. Okay. Yeah. Like last year as in 2018 or 18. last year. Oh, okay. Because he gets points on the on all the Avengers films that he's in. Yeah. So. Didn't he have two? Le- no, 2018. One. He only had one. Yeah. Yeah. 16, he, Robert Downey Jr. was again because of he was in Homecoming and something else maybe? Homecoming was 2017. Never mind. Who knows what I'm talking about? But yeah, anyway. Because we did it on this podcast, and the podcast didn't exist until Suicide Squad. <laughs> Flip first up, F1. 2016. Yep. August. All right. Um. Yeah. Let's move on to Split. Okay. Whenever you watched it, I was like, wow. Why don't we let James McAvoy act more? And that was the end of my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think McAvoy is one of those actors that early in his career... He was in the Atonement or whatever it's called. Well, okay, I was going to go even earlier than that. He was in Curve the Bullet. Keep going. <laughs> um, can I have a hint? Yeah, he played a fawn. Oh. <sighs> So early in his career, he got Tumnus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then pretty shortly, he kind of does some, some like other big Hollywood projects to keep him afloat, does some Oscar-y things, and then he gets the X-Men franchise. Romeo and Juliet. And so I feel that James McAvoy is in a point where he is financially comfortable to like... He doesn't care. Like, he'll do an X-Men movie every other year because he just gets paid. And then he can go do littler projects or stuff that's more interesting to him. Like Arthur Christmas. Like Arthur Christmas. um, Back in 2006. You know, the dark time of 2006. Um, Is that 2006? No. What is it? 2011. You know, dark time of 2006. Um, I was close. Okay, I was only five years off. Chances are, if we were doing trivia... 
we wouldn't be allowed that wide of a margin of error. Well, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Five years in either direction. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. I just think that he. To answer your question of why doesn't he like why isn't he in more stuff? I think he's just doing stuff that he likes. And I think that he finds characters that he finds intriguing and plays those because I think he's got enough money in his pocket to do that. But, but alas, uh, what are your, I've recently rewatched Split with Anne. She hadn't seen it yet, and so we watched Unbreakable and Split one day back to back, and it was a fine enough time. It is. So, I think what's clear is when you watch Unbreakable and Split, Unbreakable is in M. Night Shyamalan's golden boy period, where he feels that he's, as was it, time dubbed him or people dubbed him, the the next next Spielberg. Spielberg. You can feel that there. Split comes in, if there is such a thing as an M. Night Shyamalan uh, renaissance period it's this two film period known as the visit and split like that's it that's the renaissance right there <laughs> um <laughs> yes yes Kylie yes it's not as bad you know yeah okay <laughs> you can you can go like what what, what else do you got? No, what? the argument collapses on itself as the minute that you think about it. So I was going to be like, you know what? Disney also had a renaissance and they had a bad film called Tarzan, but then Tarzan ended it all. Yeah. That, was the end <laughs> that was the end of the renaissance. And so yeah. now it doesn't matter. <sighs> um, He's going to be in It Chapter 2. M. Night? He's in it? <laughs> no, James McAvoy. Oh. I was like, great, just be an actor. Actor M. Night Shyamalan. I might be okay with this more. Hey, are you the guy that used to work at the football stadium? Are you staying out with some shady people there? Thanks for setting me straight. Top top three M. Night, Cam- M. Night Shyamalan came out. Oh right man, there. I, was so, I was so glad that they closed that loop. Because yeah. I was just sitting there wondering, how are we going to do this? <sighs> you can barely see his face in Unbreakable, and I know that we all know it's M. Night Shyamalan, but he's... A d- because Shyamalan thinks he's a freaking Hitchcock! And he's not! I'm Hitchcock. So Split comes in whatever M. Night Shyamalan... Shyamalans? The Shyamalans? Shyamasans? The Renaissance of Shyamalan. The Renaissance of Shyamalan, the Shyamasans. And made so much money. And you can tell that these are different eras of filmmaker, and you to the point where I don't know if I've seen a filmmaker as a tourist as M Night. And a, a tour theory in filmmakers, if you're not aware, is basically that uh, directors have similar traits and tropes that they will use over and over again: themes, motifs, visual styles. You look at a film, and you're like, boom, that's them. The most obvious one of this this is Tim Burton, where everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that's a Tim Burton film." That's that's an auteur director. You can see their style on screen. M Night, I think, was one, and is probably still. I bet you could hold that line through. It's just he's changed his style so much, and he's also had he I, for whatever reason he seems to care less about 
visual stylings and mise-en-scene and like all of that kind of directorly stuff that we would kind of hold true the technique the formality of it the formal nature of filmmaking he's kind of got down to a more down and dirty style of filmmaking and possibly that's because his he, budget is lower his budget is like five million or nine billion yes million. glass and, is like glass is two million which is his highest of these three films is two 20 million. So, yeah, okay, Sorry. that's what I thought, 20. <laughs> yes. And yet, it's not the best looking one of them. There's also a really weird CGI shot where something explodes. <laughs> anyway, um, so Split is a very different film than Unbreakable. And to put them in the same trilogy together is, is weird one, but fine. I'll give it to you, fine. Go for it, you talk about Split. Okay. This time around. Yes. Okay, so the first time I watched it. We haven't talked about Split on podcast before, have we? No. We did a Terrible Movie Tuesday? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so Split. The first time I watched it, I was kind of like, I don't, what what is happening? Like, there was just like, this kind of like, essence about it that I was just kind of like, is this the real world? Is it like a fake world? I was like, whatever, are you like vilifying mental health and I was kind of just like a little bit off put about it this time around going in knowing this is a sequel to Unbreakable so we live in a hyper not so much hyper realistic but we live in a heightened heightened realistic yeah. world and so that I was watching it and I was kind of like okay this film worked a little bit better just because I knew the context of it. Now, that shouldn't make the movie just suddenly better. Because I should be able to go into a film and, like, you know, I get, well, like... Well, it's like you said about The Sixth Sense. Like, <laughs> oh. You, yeah. That, that even without that ending, the film can still work. Yes. Um, and so, like, I, I, I went in and just because, like, I understood, like, okay, he is essentially some sort of superhuman and we're in a superhero-esque world, I was like, alright, the puzzle pieces kind of fit together a little bit more. Um, you know, I still... The, the Horde itself, the whole purpose of the Horde, which is the supervillain name of this, is that... Okay, so Kevin Wendell Crumb, which is the original body that all these personalities are staying with, was abused as a child. And then all these personalities were help made to help him kind of deal with the trauma. Like, one in particular that we learn about is Dennis, who is um, OCD about things. And he was created because his mother didn't like messes. So Dennis was made to help Wendell clean everything up and keep was, everything clean. Was Dennis the first one? That is kind of what we're led to okay, believe. Okay, yeah. um, and so all these personalities are made to help Kevin throughout his life and to help him kind of deal with the trauma. Um and this final one that they make is the Horde, this the Beast. Yes. And the Beast's purpose is, to, like he says, I'm here to protect Kevin. Does but he what, say that in Split? He, no. He okay. for sure says it in Unbreakable. He says it in Glass. Glass, that's the one. Yeah. But what, what, what the Beast wants to do is attack people who are, who have never suffered bad things in their life. Who've never experienced pain. Yeah. No. And I'm kind of like... I'm kind of like... Listen. Oftentimes, victims of trauma, like in the real world, uh, often don't want to just 
inflict that onto other people. Now, in comic books, that's how most supervillains are born, is no. that they had wrong done to them, so they want to do it to others. Um, so, like, when I was watching that, I was still like, yikes. I'm still... Yeah. Especially everything that's recently happened with Hollywood... And mm -hmm. Split comes out before the Me Too movement right starts. Right before. Yeah, yeah. I like, it's Indiana Jones running underneath the... the, the yes. <laughs> he has to get the hat before the door closes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so when I was just re-watching that, I was like, this ending is very uncomfortable. That this is the purpose of the yeah. beast, to attack those who uh, have had good lives. Weirdly enough, like, you don't... You know, I, I don't feel like Kevin wants that for Agreed. others. I'm not really sure what Patricia wants. Patricia! I don't understand too much her motivations. She just scares me. All right, I'm going to tell you right now. If we're ranking, if we're ranking the personalities inside... Hedwig! <laughs> okay, Beasties 3. Like, in, like, terrifying Fairy. order. Fairy! Oh, terrifying order. In, like, terrifying order, Beast is three. All right. Patricia. It's like Patricia and Hedwig. <laughs> Just, like, right there. I'm like, I don't know. One, two. Like, okay, if I'm including Glass, Hedwig kind of falls a little bit. But, like, in Just Split, I hate Hedwig. <laughs> like, you are the worst child. And I get it. You've been manipulated by Patricia and Dennis. Like, totally fair. But, no. You're the worst. I dislike you. Go get some discipline or something. Like, also, why... Oh, it makes sense. Never mind. I was gonna be like, why can is, is Hedwig the one that can control the light? It makes sense. Kevin would want to be childish. It's fine. Like, yes. Um, childlike, sorry. He's also probably got the most energy. <laughs> All of them, he's like, can I go, can I go, can I go? And all of them are like, shut up, go. Alright, I'm gonna just say something. Though. Yeah, okay. We only see one personality dance. And... Hedwig. <laughs> it's just Hedwig, yeah. I love, I, oh, I'm so happy during that scene. You wanna see my moves? <laughs> You're just watching. And like, James McAvoy, for all these different personalities, it's not just a voice that he, yep. he just doesn't just change his voice. He changes, like... The way that he stands, like his eyebrows, his eyebrows, like he's doing something, like he changes that, like everything, like he transforms himself into these different characters and just by looking at him without him talking, I'm like, there's Patricia, there's Dennis, there's the beast, oh, there's the beast. The beast doesn't like clothes? Yeah, the beast is the easy one to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because he they... always rips off his shirt. Yeah. He's like, mm, I gotta rip off my shirt, I'm the beast. I'm ripping off those pants. <laughs> okay split itself is fine i don't love this movie but what i do like about it is I, I all of your issues with it are my issues with the film i think that it's it's themes and it's thematic elements are weird i don't think m night is doing anything th all that interesting cinematically i think it's a down and dirty kind of film what I do think holds Split up as a film that's maybe somewhat worth watching is James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy. Their performances, and Haley Lou Richardson, I really like, but she's not in the film all that much. No, because she tries to escape and yes. then gets put in a separate room. But their core relationship, uh, McAvoy and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, is it Anya hyphen Taylor or is it Anya Taylor hyphen Joy? 
You just need to know how to like last name. Taylor Joy. Taylor Joy. So McAvoy uh, and Taylor Joy. That rhymes. Oh man. Uh my brain's all over the place. Sorry, everybody. Are good in the movie together, and their relationship is the most interesting dynamic in the film. And what I think that is true about both Unbreakable and Split is that they hold true on this super interesting kind of pair. This idea that it's in the Eastrail 177 extended universe is that there's there's always there's a hero and a villain or there's a one and there's the other there's a person and then there's their opposite and so in Unbreakable you get that with David Dunn and Elijah Glass I don't remember Elijah's actual Bryce um, Price. And, Price, sorry. And then here you get it with Kevin and Cassie. And it's those relationships that are this solid core to both of those movies. Glass doesn't have that. Um, and so that's what I enjoy about Split, is their performances and how they play off each other. I agree with you that the end doesn't make a lot of sense towards what was actually happening. I kind of... And then especially if you take into consideration of where Cassie's character goes in Glass, it, to me, makes even less sense. Split is a film that if it could have just lived in its own world, I would have enjoyed it more. But now it has to live as this bridge between these two films and it, it hurts the experience of watching Split because it's got a lot more work to do now. You're not just trying to set up this universe with these characters. Um, also, the the uh, psychiatrist character is weird. I don't like what she brings to the story. I think she makes a lot of terrible choices. I think she enables a lot of this to happen and, and I don't necessarily know if it's like... I don't think that either Glass or Split are healthy portrayals of a psychiatric profession or um, mental mental health institutions in any way, shape, or form. I think they're more so akin to old tropes that you would see in comic books. And and I get that that's what he's doing, but read it... But like, we don't need your commentary from 20 years ago. You need to be in this world. Anyway, so... Yeah. yeah, I forgot about Buddy Buckley. <laughs> She's vaguely referenced in Glass. But, yeah. Okay. He gives her a hug. Question. Hi, yeah. Uh, in Split, uh -huh. Buddy Buckley says to Dennis, not Barry. Mm -hmm. I have someone that, if should something bad happen to me, they'll take over. Is that Sarah Paulson? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. But here's what I'm going to guess. Okay. Because my thought was yes, but then I saw Glass. Um, the reason why I suppose no is because, uh, so he goes underground, like he disappears because he's now a criminal. Yes. Um, and so then I, and Betty Buckley wasn't a criminal psychologist. And so my, I, I'm making, yeah. I'm painting with a wide yeah, brush, yeah, yeah. but like my assumption is that the person who would have taken over was also not a criminal psychologist. And so, like, they... Now that he is a criminal and within that, someone else, my belief, would have to come in and take that over. Okay. My thought was that almost kind of the opposite in painting with a similarly broad brush, but on mm -hmm. the other end of the spectrum, was that her theory was that if she failed, 
he would become a criminal and need a criminal psychologist at that point. I thought, my, my, because, like, he's like, do you live alone? What happens to us if you die? She was like, oh, I have someone to take over for me. And right. so my idea was, okay. like, it was just the same practice. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Split? We do have, a, if you want kind of more instant reactions to that film, if you go to our YouTube page, Ducks Watch Together, uh, and search back a little bit, we do have a Split episode. We talk about kind of our instant reactions to Split. It's a sequel to Unbreakable. Secret sequel. Secret sequel. I'm surprised I didn't know that going in. Well, you know. it's it's That's the kind of twist that I guess I'm okay with. Because, I, I mean... I say I guess I'm okay with it, but at the same point, if the film would have just stood on its own, I would have been fine with it. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of twist that, like, if you know that this is... I don't know. I'm fine with it because, like, great, like, you connected it back to Unbreakable. Maybe I'm not fine with it. Maybe I'm not fine with that twist. You weren't the first time. I'm not now, either. I was trying to be nice, and now that I'm not, I don't think I am fine with it. Because, like, I was saying that, I was like, yeah! And now I'm like, no, it's stupid. Like, I was trying to be nice to the film, because I have nothing nice to say about Glass. So, I was maybe trying to get one more nice thing. No, I don't like the twist. I want the film to stand on its own. And if you want to do that, I probably said this last time, do it in a tag scene. Like, legit, put it at the very end. Do it as a tag scene. So, glass. Glass! Okay, so here's where I got worried. Okay. Credits. <laughs> Opening <laughs> credits. Oh, God, those are a hot mess. Okay, wait, hear me out. Okay, all right, I'm listening. So who's the fa- film named after? Elijah Glass. Uh-huh. Or, sorry, Elijah Price. Mr. Glass. And then guess who's barely in this movie? Elijah Glass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson is the and credit. I literally leaned over to Anne and I was like, James McAvoy's the top belt person? Well, he had to play 23. (laughs) I was two! I was there for two! Here's legit what I thought. Okay, because I live in a world where I think about, like, billing and, like, before I go there. I legit was like, okay, it's gonna be Sammy Jack, James McAvoy, and the rest of the cast, and Bruce is gonna get the end credit. Like, that's what I thought was going to be. Because I was like, they're going to... So third would be Sarah Polson probably. Polson then, like... Polson's uh, also a wit. Yeah, she is. And I was like... Um, and then I was like, Anya Taylor-Joy will probably be, like, something like three or four, like four or five, I, you know. I, my guess was her was four. Yeah. She's three. She's three bill. She's three bill. Yeah. Look at that. No, yeah, they... Okay, my issue with the credits were so freaking distracting because they do this weird thing where, like, they're, like, shattering onto the screen. So you see them, like, flash. Like, it's an instant flash. Like, it's not, like, it's a a long thing. But you see them flash over the top of the picture and then get small to where you can read it. And I'm like, dude, am I supposed to be reading the credits or watching the movie? Like, you're so distracting right now. Stop it. Stop it, M. Night. Do you want a cold take? So this is the coldest of takes. Uh Uh-huh. I hate this movie. Masterpiece. (laughs) That's a hot take. That's a hot take over there. That's that's a scolding hot. You you melting glass. You you make an art out of glass with that hot take. I don't like this film. Yeah, no. This film makes me hate myself. 
Just how they're talking. I am in this film, by spoilers, the way. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Sorry, spoilers, we've been spoiling spoilers. everything we've got to tell you. All right. Maybe we'll. Maybe Kylie will be nice enough to put a spoiler thing up front. Sure. Okay, great. It'll be East Trail 177 Trilogy spoilers. Yes, great. <laughs> um, for all this, all that's happening throughout this film is that people are reading comic books and they're going like, whoa, this is really happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate myself, and I hate comic books, and I hate everything. No, don't let M. Night do that to I'm you. I'm in this film. Dude. I related okay. so much to a background character. <laughs> I was so intrigued by their choices. Okay, so, uh, this background character. <laughs> uh, I was, a, like, literally, like, arms folded going on a rant as I was driving home with Anne. Uh, and I was like, the comic book shop was stupid. It wasn't even looking like a modern comic book shop. She's like, what are you talking about? There was pops. I was like, oh, there was pops? There was Never a, mind. There was a wall of There them. was a wall. I, I must have, like, missed the shot where it was there. Because I was like, clearly he's still just doing comic book shops from 20 years ago. There's not other thing. And I was like, there was pops. That I was like, mm, okay. Complaint taken care of. <laughs> yeah, because I was much more interested in what was happening with the pops. Yeah. Which one are you getting? <laughs> and then the kid... And that was popcorn for glass. Well, yeah. And then the... I'm not done. The comic book store guy is, like, pontificating about Superman. And, like, the kid just looks over and he's like, what? And that's, like... That's how I look when people are like, yeah, Superman, blah, blah, blah. Which, like, I'm trying to stop. Him with his wooden teeth. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, great. After that character, there was nothing left. Um... There's a secret society with, like, three-leaf clovers, which is stupid. Should have been four-leaf clovers. Which I was like, am I supposed to know who this is? No, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say something. Yeah, what's up? The ending... Is dumb. Did not see it happening. So at the very least... At the very least... Wait, which part? This movie is telegraphed to all get out. What? This movie is telegraphed to all get out. What part didn't you see coming? We killed Bruce Willis and... Oh, that everybody was gonna die. Yeah. And that kind of just, like, surprised me. I was like, whoa! I feel like they were McAvoy, Willis, and uh, Jackson got together and they were like, okay, we'll do one. One. We'll do one. You gotta kill us, M. Night. You gotta, we all gotta die. Like, that's, that's how this ends. We don't want to do any more of these. <laughs> that, to be fair, was, um... That was surprising. I did not expect them to die. Mm-hmm. I expected not at least Bruce Willis to die. At the very least, that was the one where I was like, if anyone makes it out of this, it's David Dunn. Yeah. Um, you know, if like McAvoy died, it would be it would be just like, oh, it's the comic book thing. Yes. David Dunn owns a security um, business in this, and uh, there is a missed opportunity, and I'm very upset at David and Joseph Dunn. Tell me about it. Because their slogan is not security done right. Oh, man. <sighs> Just saying. <laughs> Just out loud. That was a missed opportunity by everybody. That's, that's the easiest slogan in the world. I don't know how you didn't get there. <sighs> okay, so, okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> See, you have your guy who, who who looks at pops. I have my silly slogans and my billing order. It's fine. We survived this movie. Uh, no, but the movie is telegraphed. Like, from moment one, it's just... 
the the fact that the movie tries to play anything as a reveal is asinine. Like the for moment one, you're like Sarah Paulson works for somebody else. She's either because she's literally trying to convince them that they are not what they are, and therefore she's trying to convince the audience that these people who we've seen do superhuman things are not superheroes. And literally, you have to then come to one con a conclusion of this: either she is dumb or trying to trick them okay so you got that so great big society thing revealed way too early secondarily the fact that at the end the the, the even twistier twist is that elijah was the mastermind behind it all well no crap dude like that's literally the moment was this movie is about like how are you so dumb sarah paulson how are you both dumb and working for a secret society? I just... Kylie, I hate this movie. I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, there are literal moments where they do the stupid... Okay, so you know how I complain in Deadpool 2? About, like, Deadpool's like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna comment on the comic thing that we're just gonna do. He literally does that with Glass. And then eventually with McAvoy as well. Like, Kevin Wendell Crumb starts doing it too. This wasn't a limited edition. It was an origin story. <gasps> what does that mean? And I was like, oh, oh. So I have a question. Yeah, what's up? I have a question. Yeah. Okay? Because this whole thing is like, we're in a comic book, so we're going to reference comic book things. Okay, so I... Oh, Josh. Josh, Yeah, I'm with out. you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hear me out. Okay. To Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> the the Malibu, Malibu's Most Wanted? What? Jamie Kennedy, Malibu's Most Wanted? Isn't that the guy in Scream? Yes, Jamie Kennedy. Yes. Okay, so Jamie Kennedy. He's also Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> Randy. That's his name. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> So why is it when Randy's like, we're in a horror movie, I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, you tell him, you tell him, Randy. Why am I more okay with that? Okay, so. Help me out. Do you want to hand me your Juno thing? I'll put it on your film. Oh, thank you. So, I, I what I can say is this. Because with meta commentary that works in film especially with something like when Randy's like we're in a horror film or other or like yeah okay great. we'll go stick with Randy <laughs> okay cause like I kept thinking about that as I went through and I was like why don't I hate Randy Wes Craven yes Wesley West creates a world that is aware of horror movies but also kind of has to follow some of the rules of them mm -hmm. because he's in a horror movie and but what Wes Craven is not doing is Wes Craven is building all of that deeply into the fabric of his character and deeply into the fabric of his film. And what he's not doing is putting it out there in a un in a in a messy kind of blunt sort of way. It's the difference between it's kind of the difference between looking at a painting uh, of somebody who you're like, oh man, this is really beautiful art. And you're looking at it and you're seeing the strokes and you're seeing like what they're, they're actually trying to say something with it. And or somebody who is 
trying to create a commercial piece of painting. Like, it's the difference between looking at a landscape of, like, a Van Gogh and a landscape in your hotel room. Okay, so, like, a purpose versus... Yes. And, and Craven has a purpose. And I think meta, when it works, it works with a purpose. I don't think he's got a purpose over here. I think what he's got is... Uh, the same observations. He's got that this he twenty made. million dollars on his hand, and he's gotta, he's gotta push <laughs> through and make a film. He's I. He's saying he being M Night Shyamalan is saying nothing that he hasn't already said in Unbreakable twenty years ago. He's got no new takes. He's clearly seen no superhero films. He's even said out loud. He's like, <coughs> he's even said out loud. I can make a better superhero movie for $20 million than they can with $120 million. And he's literally making out to be a competition of this thing that he doesn't clearly seem to get or understand or even like. I think that's a crucial difference as well, too. Wes Craven is honoring the thing that he's saying. M. Night Shyamalan is not. He's trying to point out all the flaws in the system. This is basically... Oh, sorry, Ethan Hawke, to throw you under the bus. But when Ethan Hawke was like, superhero movies are, are the bane of the existence. They're ruining everything. I feel like M. Night Shyamalan agrees with that sentence. But he's still like, I'm going to make one. But it, And he's going to make one to try to deconstruct the genre and be like, look, if I point out all the flaws, then maybe you'll come back and see my adult dramas with twists again. Like, buddy, make a good movie. People will watch it. Like, I, you've just, you, you, all you've done, M. Night, is you're taking Unbreakable and Split, which are two very different films, and you're trying to put them together and, like, make them, like, stir it up to, like, make it, like, one thing. I just, I don't get it. I don't, you're not saying, what you did was you had one specific tone for Unbreakable and you had one specific tone for Split. And what you should have done was found your own individual third tone for Glass. And at that point, you might have had something interesting to say. And you might have had something interesting to show. And not relegated this Glass character to the background. Because, frankly, Elijah is a really interesting character. And this whole idea of him creating superheroes is really fascinating. And, and to go into his mind... And then you just have him sit there bored for half of this movie. Okay, so it's, it seems clear to me. I'm not going to try to speak to any director's intent. But also, watching the film, this seems pretty clear to me. He didn't really have anything interesting to say about Glass. He didn't really want that character in the film all that much. He just, he puts himself, I think, in the Glass character by saying he's the guy sitting there commenting on everything and being the puppet master to everything. And so that's the only way that he can bring this character into the film is to literally put himself into that character. What is the only actual interesting part of Glass is the first 10 to 15 minutes where Bruce Willis and his son are trying to capture the Horde. That's the only interesting part of this movie. And if you could have actually found a way to do... You could do a very similar movie and just actually cut out Glass. Gone. 
you can reference him in a way of like, because for the reveal of this film, which the reveal of this film, if you've listened this far and you don't want spoilers, pause it off. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, the real real of this film is that Kevin Wendell Crumb's dad was on East Rail 177. And therefore, when everybody on the train except for Bruce Willis died because Elijah made the train crash because he's trying to make superheroes, that includes Kevin's dad, and that's why his abusive mom got to be in charge, and therefore Elijah created the Horde as well as creating the Overseer. Like, he made everything. He's the, the creator of the universe. You can still have that same exact reveal, but a lot, but Glass doesn't have to be there. Like, it, it works the same. The thing that created me is the thing that created you. And actually, then, if you don't have this third character there, you can actually maybe explore that in a way of, like, wait, we're the same. I'm like you. Let's kill Glass. Like, let's, maybe, and that might have been a more, it might have been a healthier way to try to get somebody to relate to Kevin, rather than shoehorning in Stockholm Syndrome onto, onto Taylor Joy's character of Cassie, and trying to make that work. I just think it would be a cleaner, easier film than what we got. The... I feel like with this film, okay, here, 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 here. See, uh, I, I think that what needs to happen is that very much just like other superhero films, uh, M. Night Shyamalan was like, well, I have to get a sequel out very quickly because that's what, that's what the superhero films have been mm -hmm. doing mostly no. is that they just come out like that. And I know that, because it was on my Twitter at one point, that he didn't start writing it until after Glass had already came out and it was successful. Split. Yes. Sorry. Split. Yeah. He didn't start writing that until after Split was successful, and then he finished it very quickly. Which is early 2017. Mm -hmm. And so, like, this comes <laughs> out a year late. He makes this film, in all parts, in a year. Yeah. Essentially. Even probably less than that. And I'm just like, what if... What if instead of just, like, making it like that, you give yourself a few years? Yeah. Most of these people will still probably come back. Yeah. Um, it just feels like... It's rushed. Yes. Agreed. Everything about this is rushed. The only thing that I think feels fresh and interesting to me about the whole thing is James McAvoy's performance. Uh, I just, I don't want to harp on, like, that he's the only thing worth watching, but he is the only thing worth watching, even... Even like Samuel Jackson and Anna Taylor Joy and um, Bruce Willis, who all give interesting, who have interesting characters in previous films, they're relegated to one note performances that they serve one purpose in the plot mm -hmm. of the film, and that's it. And I just, I feel like he didn't know what to do with uh, David Dunn's character because, yeah. like in Unbreakable, David Dunn is such a reserved, quiet character that he was that explores this, like what, like finding his purpose in the world but then like now it's like well he's found it like what else is david dunn supposed to do yeah nothing it it, it would have almost been more interesting again put willis in the end credit and just have him be there at the beginning and the end 
Because you don't really need David Dunn to be there in the whole Sarah Paulson monologue section. Like, it's fine because of the story that you're telling, I guess, but you don't need it, per se. And you can even still have the same exact reveal and everything can work the same. Just focus on... That way you give Glass more to do, and then you're trying to give this character of Dennis... Who is one of the personalities with inside Kevin? An arc of he's not on board with the horde anymore, and it's not given enough time to really show why or how. And if you're gonna use the Casey character in that way, I guess use the Casey character with the Dennis. I don't know. Like nothing within that character seemed to get enough time to grow and build so that you've had this good performance by McAvoy, but it's wasted. Uh, t- my, 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 my two that I want more of, I just kind of want a whole movie of James McAvoy as the Scottish twins on board with them. I liked those characters. I was like, no, no, I need more of them. Give me the Scottish twins. I like them. <laughs> <sighs> It's it's He's... blunt, it's bad, it doesn't understand that, like, you can't just say what you're going to do and then do it. it uh, every line Samuel L. Jackson has to say out loud is painful. Very painful. And that is our thoughts <laughs> on the East Rail 177 trilogy. Great, there you go. Never more shall it be spoken upon this podcast. Probably not. Who knows? No, well, you know what? It'll probably be brought up in a, in a month's time on the David Sims episode because we may be recording that ahead of time and I may still have glass on my mind. Just don't. Just try not. Here, I want to read it. Uh, but no, but David Sims likes this stupid movie. We don't need to play this. Okay, what is it? No, oh, it's fine. You, it's your card. No, no, it's you good. Won. You, you, I, you come on, here we go, Kylie. You already won. Here we go. You already right. won. <laughs> Kylie, you just look at the movie musicals. Just look at them. It's, your head is blocking them. <laughs> Name different movie musicals. Rent. Uh, Grease. Hairspray. Mamma Mia. Whoa. Sweet Todd. Les Mis. Uh, Into the Woods. South Pacific. The Sound of Music. Oklahoma. Singing in the rain. State fair. Yeah, see. <laughs> that was good. That was good though. Yeah, you. That was you did well. Like you should be proud of that. Why did I just start naming Disney films? Those are kind of like musicals. Yeah, Bolt. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That one shot. I did like the shot where. <laughs> That was that that got me. Like that was Dennis. James <laughs> Dennis. McAvoy does good work. All right, friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can give us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. On Twitter at... DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. together. Nobody understood what those were. <laughs> those were mumbled. Like no one's gonna be okay. on Twitter at <laughs> YouTube. Tumblers. Letterbox. Hopefully, no one listens to this episode for content information. I've been Josh. Quack 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 quack. Who are you? Well, I you see, I have twenty three different personalities. Quack 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 quack. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>